Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today we are going to be treated to a conversation between Shona Holm and Yolila Espinoza. And in addition to any other roles that they may fill in their lives, they are also two people who I think of as medicine women. In the introduction to Sisters of the Extreme, Women Writing on the Drug Experience by Cynthia Palmer and Michael Horowitz, they say, among other things, and I quote, The relationship of women and drugs goes back before recorded history. The most important goddesses of many ancient cultures are closely associated with intoxicating plants. In the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance, the European church state launched a savage persecution of women midwives and herbalists. In the earlier decades of the 20th century, women who pursued a drug-related lifestyle compromised their reputations far more than did the men who indulged and experimented. End quote. In other words, it's been hundreds of years since women were publicly sought out for healing and insights about our plant teachers, not to mention the fact that even speaking about such things was often dangerous for them. Today, here in the salon, we're fortunate to have two women who are willing to brave any slings and arrows that may come their way as a part of a new generation of medicine women who are bringing their knowledge and skills back out in the open. Shona Holm and Yolila Espinoza are on a mission to encourage a more open and honest discussion about the intersection of psychoactive experiences, our sexuality, and the difficulties that some women are faced with in the psychedelic community. So let's join them now. So we are back at long last, and I am so excited about this conversation because uh, I have been wanting to have this talk with Yalila for a good while. So finally, the stars are in alignment, and here we are. And so I am going to be talking with Yalila Espinoza, Ph.D., today. And she is an intimacy guide, and she's had very diverse training in the integration of sexuality and spirituality, which has inspired her to create a spiritual erotic awakening model. And that consists of body-centered practices that support the connection to joy and sensual pleasure. She offers private coaching sessions, online trainings, and an intensive seven-week Mind Your Heart program. And that taps into the mind and activates heart-centered creativity. And her website is yalila.com, and that's spelled Y-A-L-I-L-A.com. And I will add, of course... Uh, uh, because we are on the Psychedelic Salon after all, that Yalila has had extensive experience with Mama Ayahuasca. And that has, I'm sure, inspired her to come into the extraordinary and unique work that she's doing. So, sweetie, welcome to this conversation. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you and all the listeners. Yeah, yeah, sweetie. So let's talk first about... Uh, I mean, this work that you are doing, clearly, uh, it's a result not only, obviously, of, um, of your work with ayahuasca, which I'm very keenly interested in, but also, of course, as we know, it goes back further because something occurred in your life, right, that, that, that has set the course of uh, the patternings, 
the behaviors, um, and 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 then eventually, at some point, clearly, uh, that came to a head, and you began to seek very deeply. So um, without telling your story that I don't actually know, um, but I want to hear a little bit of this background in terms of, you know, what even led you to the ayahuasca? Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful question. And it's so fun to have this uh, open-ended space to go back in time and see how it connects to the present. And I really sincerely could say that it started with my birth, Uh, And I will speed up the story a little bit and say that that really it was the sudden death of my partner about 10 years ago that woke me up from a slumber. And I was sort of walking through this life that on the outside seemed to be perfect, seemed to be wonderful. Good job, partner, friends. Everything was great, actually. Good health. Good health, except that in my heart I was uh, feeling uh, lonely and disconnected. And so it was that sudden uh, disillusionment, disillusionment, disillusionment? How do you say that disillusionment. word? Disillusionment. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, that, <laughs> of like my foundation uh, when my partner died and the whole... Uh, questioning of life and death and, um, you know, what what is the meaning of my life, it all came uh, up. And so I was walking around depressed for about six months and then uh, had a dream uh, where the grandmother uh, serpent came in and bit me, you know, just the classic uh, dream and... Uh, I died in the dream, and then I was reborn, and it was, and my partner was in that dream too. It was just like amazing, and I just woke up and I thought I might as well go down to Peru and go to a ceremony, and it just sort of, it just all happened. You know, the timing was perfect, and everything came together, and so it was in that ceremony that I actually expected. Um, that I would just be crying, you know, for days and and uh, depressed and grieving. But instead, it was an experience of feeling joy in my body. I felt like I had come home. It was like ecstatic pleasure, like hours of full-body orgasm. And I was shocked and wondered, uh, what is this? What, what, who, what intelligent... Uh, being is the, coming through the plants is is showing me what life could be like, and so I left Peru with this renewed sense of hope and curiosity, which then led to ten years of studying uh, plant teachers academically and experientially in ceremonies. Wow! 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 Really, ten years? That's that's beautiful. Who who were you working with in Peru? Can you say? Oh, uh, different people, uh, a variety of uh, different curanderos, curanderas. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then are you now doing some of that yourself in Peru or assisting in that ceremony? I am. And it, and I'm, I'm very mindful, you know, of how I speak about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I feel like I'm a beginner, and so I'm still learning, you know, not with just with ayahuasca, but realizing the importance of the other master plants, and so focusing during that 10 years a lot of time with um, tobacco and coca and uh, other plants that have really influenced uh, my life and uh, brought me to this this place of greater understanding of what vegetalismo, the plant world, really is about. Okay, and I'm also very curious because, of course, uh, I'm sure you find this as well, that uh, uh, the plant experience seems to be unique to each person taking the plant so that you know what happens for you is not necessarily what's going to happen for me or this person or this person and and mm-hmm. so actually back to this first experience you were talking about where you were having these full body orgasms and experiencing this joy um without knowing you know entirely mm-hmm. your background i mean that speaks to me uh in terms of uh, that is activating something in you around that sexuality piece, either healing something or or, or activating uh, something. And I could you speak to that a little bit? Because of course your work revolves around this now. Yes, yes, uh, yes, I will. So what I realized in those first ceremonies was that I had actually experienced sexual trauma as a child and had been numbing myself for years in some ways. Like, I did enjoy sexual uh, sensations. However, it was a very superficial level, I felt. And it was in those ceremonies that I got a sense of the the deeper intimacy that's possible in terms of accessing uh, sensual intelligence around sexuality. And so that was a, a lesson for me, uh, right off the bat, and um, and then I realized that you know all the the layers around sexuality connected with uh, physical uh, imbalances and emotional and mental and spiritual imbalances were all at play. So um, there were there was so much to explore. Uh, around sexuality, and it, it re- the plants really assisted me in expanding my definition of sexuality, and then also looking at uh, what eroticism is, and um, and then tying you know all these pieces together. Um, so yeah, and it's, it continues to be an evolution, actually. So. Uh, I realized that these plant teachers, ayahuasca specifically, uh, was my first tantric teacher. I, I can honestly say that. And so what was happening in ceremony was that I was experiencing things and being shown things in terms of sexual erotic energy and then learning how to practice that with other people. Hmm. Uh, and then afterwards going to the books and seeing that, oh, medical Qigong names it this way, tantric teachings name it this way, and then finding the human teachers and um, and mentors that I've been with for the last uh, seven years, and then having them explain it and show me. And so it was very interesting to have the experience of it in my body first, and then learning the terms 
uh, and the theoretical philosophical underpinnings that have been around for you know centuries. So it's just uh, it's just the way that I learned it. Hmm. It's fascinating, and you, of course, you wonder where uh, tantra and all of those. Uh, uh, areas of, of practice actually came from, you know. Of course, I would imagine that those original teachings did come from the plants a long, long time ago. And I've, I find this fascinating, Yalila, because in my private practice, I am stunned, I am astonished at the number of uh, people I see who have been sexually abused in the past. And it is not just women. Mm-hmm. In fact, these poor guys have it so bad because they don't even get to really talk about it. Yeah. You know, there is such a level of uh, shame around them um, and just just acute shame. It's just horrifying. And uh, and then the way it colors every area of your life. And so I just find this uh, so fascinating and incredibly hopeful, you know, that these plants will uh, open us to that and enable us to not only heal that peace for ourselves, but then to return, which it sounds like this is precisely what's happened for you, to return to your own sexual expression and create this new foundation. And uh, it is, it's like the slate has been wiped clean, shall we say, of uh, that shame uh, and, and everything that, that, that comes with, with that uh, initial wounding experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, wonderful point. And it actually reminds me that also in my experience over the last 10 years, the high number of plant drinkers that intuitively we're drawn to the plant teachers. Like it's almost like there's this master, you know, matrix plan and somehow our souls remember that these plants can assist us. So, you know, is it a coincidence that over half of the people sitting in ceremony um, really experience sexual healing, Kundalini awakenings, etc., in ceremony? Well, I, I, I don't think it is a coincidence. I think it's just a perfect um, match, not only with ayahuasca, but with peyote and mushrooms, etc. And the other thing is that when I was in the PhD program, I did a research study interviewing women around North America about their erotic experiences with plant teachers. And, you know, you mentioned wiping the slate clean, and that's exactly how they described it as well in terms of you know, the, the ayahuasca and the other master plants uh, really cleaning on a cellular level and then through, you know, their mental and emotional bodies and then the, the more subtle bodies. And so like it, each plant also having their own uh, specific um, skill. So what what these women were describing was how each plant had a specific talent in terms of clearing and fortifying each of the four energetic layers. And so, for example, one woman was saying how Ahasacha with ayahuasca was wonderful in clearing uh, sexual trauma that she held in her cells, you know, in her DNA, and then felt like Marosa 
was beautiful in really loving her heart and being able to open up and feel, uh, you know, uh, love again. And um, other plants uh, like bolawaska, uh, very good for reproductive organs. Reproductive, um, and, reproductive organs. Yes. Okay. Yes, and um, you know, one woman was saying that she entered into the realm of plants because she had an ovarian cyst. Um, and the doctor recommended that she get a hysterectomy, and she was trying Chinese herbs and acupuncture and all these other modalities, and then uh, wanted to try uh, ayahuasca and other Amazonian plants as well. And with all of this uh, support together, she didn't have to have a hysterectomy, and the cyst uh, dissolved. So, you know, just literally like magical stories from physical ailments to, you know, really um, letting go uh, of the shame and trauma of rape and other um, sexual uh, wounding that, you know, I feel like we all have. Like you mentioned men as well. Yes, we're in a society where, especially in Western society, where our connection with sexuality and sensuality is skewed for everyone coming Mm -hmm. down from you know, our families and ancestors to media and school education and our health education and um, all of these institutions and systems that we've set up. So this is an issue uh, for everyone. Oh, oh, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. And then all the sex trafficking and sex trafficking of children, the slavery in addition to all Mm -hmm. the, I mean, this stuff... It's extraordinary. I mean, the level of healing that needs to happen on this planet is is just it's mind blowing, and mm-hmm. and and these plants are up to the task. They really, yeah. really, truly are. Yeah, I mean, they will uh, accomplish, uh, you know, many many years of of psychotherapy in just one or a few sessions, and then of course, you know, working with a good guide. Through that, uh, it's it's really incredibly uh, uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, um, I mean this is really I mean I I myself I will say candidly I mean I have never been sexually abused thank goodness, um, mm-hmm. but again because I come across that so often in my practice um, this is also why I've been so drawn to your work Yalila because you are clearly uh, working with with these uh, women now in the work you are doing. And and uh, and not just empowering, but really initiating very profound healing and a very uh, different perspective now from or, or a completely different paradigm uh, from which to see themselves. And and, mm-hmm. and so very uh, essential work, my dear. And and I am uh, fascinated also by these stories that you tell, and I'm sure you've got many many of them. Uh, of of what the ayahuasca has done for these these women, I think it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it's interesting too that more and more men in the past uh, year or so have been coming to me asking for support as well, and also oh, couples uh, that are asking me for 
a safe container where as a couple they can explore their sexual relationship. So, you know, there's just so many possibilities of healing and also learning, just learning about our energies and how we can dance uh, with our energies together and actually um, commune with the other uh, energies around us, whether we call it spirit or whatever, and that there's this uh, sense of like a triangle that is created where there's a synergy of these three energies, so the couple and then the third energy, and just what's possible when we actually direct that energy into, you know, feeling love in our hearts or um, into creative projects, into family life or you know, work, career life, or, you know, healing uh, each other, community members, etc. We We can channel this energy uh, any way that um, we are inspired to. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I'll ask you this, because something that I have realized for my own self with my uh, work I have done with a mushroom, which was that year-long, very intensive monthly immersions, and I don't obviously do those monthly immersions, thank God, <laughs> anymore. I don't need to. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. a kind of training for me. And then I have realized now in my work that I have, in a sense, in a sense, become the medicine. So I'm carrying mm-hmm. that medicine because the majority of the clients who come to me uh, and the students are not actually ever going to find their way to these medicines. They're, they're mm-hmm. just, they're not. So, so... Uh, uh, what I have gained over my work with that medicine is that I can offer them this very new uh, and often radically different perspective to the story they have been telling for so long. So, of course, we know, you know, the plants will do that for you. Oh, boy, will they ever, and they will break that spell. But but mm-hmm. I, my sense, too, is the plants understand this as well, that no, not everyone will find us, but those who will, will carry our medicine in some regard, whether they are uh, an artist or a, a, a writer or, um, you know, some kind of a practitioner. And so it just it feels to me very much like you, too, are carrying that medicine or you've become that medicine in a way and it is working through you. So, yes, of course, you can't be giving these people ayahuasca left, right, and center in, in California. It doesn't work that way. So so what yeah. happens? You become this medicine in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's exactly true. And what I've found as interesting um, is that women who are coming to me often uh, say that they are concerned because they haven't had an orgasm and they're they're in their 30s or 40s. Um, And so, you know, really uh, taking what the plant shown me in terms of methodology and having two to three hour sessions with with, uh, women and working a lot or you know, going into the womb area and energetically working things and then also doing some, uh, you know, storytelling, shifting the, the, the storytelling perception and and also coaching in terms of practical uh, daily uh, skills that they can integrate into their life. Um, so, and then what's also interesting is that through the, the guidance of the plants, I've been 
recently guided to connect with um, the high-tech world hmm. and to really uh, focus on the, the mind as the starting point to bring the, the energy down into the heart and that, um, you know, in a sense, at least in the Silicon Valley um, culture, that there is such a focus on the external creation of technology to advance our consciousness, uh, but there's uh, forgetfulness around the human technology and the inner technology and how that drives our intuition and creativity and that informs, you know, how this, the energy of our consciousness is expressed in uh, the material uh, physical world. So, you know, I, I'm just connecting this back to what you're saying that ayahuasca is not involved in any of these sessions and yet just getting that guidance of like, okay, spend a little more, you know, energy channeled in this way, in this direction. And when I first had this um, impulse to to connect with the, the business, the high-tech leaders, I mean, it's not naturally something that I would think of myself. Mm-hmm. And so, and that there's this way of like, okay, women and wombs, okay, that's, you know, really important. And then there's, you know, the men and the hearts I'm finding as a, as a theme coming up. And the men, uh, um, especially in the really the business world where you know as a society we've set it set it up so that men and women in this uh, competitive and fast-paced business world are pushing their bodies uh, so hard and their minds are so brilliant and they're it's almost like they're exploding um, <laughs> you know themselves and that it can get you know stressful and confusing so lately that's where I'm also directing my energy. And, and then, you know, we'll see. It's experiment. We'll see how uh, these two kinds of areas come together, you know, healing the masculine and the feminine energies within each of us and how that is, you know, vital, you know, for, for all of us in our development. Yes, absolutely, because our, our, our society has become, well, it's a commercial society, first of all, and the commercial is, is really fictional, right? It's not real. It's a commercial, artificial construct. And, and what I have, what I see is that we have been, uh, uh, gradually over time seduced farther and farther away from our humanity. And then we have a society where women are hyper-masculinized now. Right. Yep. And, and then a lot of these guys are like way, way, way masculine on steroids. Uh, or the guys are being feminized, and that goes into whatever estrogens and the plastics and the foods and stuff, and that's a whole other discussion. Um, right. My goodness, it is, it is just a, a labyrinth of, of just mess. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um, and I've been told by a shaman, you are a black-eyed healer, Shauna. In other words, like I walk in the room and I'm like, I can see like underneath the chairs, I can see under the carpet. You know what I mean? That's a mess. That's yeah. not working. That you know, sort of see all that. Um, and so, um, this is this is great that you're doing this. I am curious as to sort of how how are you presenting this material? How are you even approaching um, that that realm of, mm-hmm. of, of techie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems that the universe ha- uh, likes to uh, play with me and, and joke with me. And, and lately, 
um, that I've been surrounded uh, more so by the tech world in terms of friends and my partner being in that world as well. And so I I have lots of uh, um, mentoring and guidance from, from these folks. And so really learning the language, you know, it's a whole different language um, in order to connect with, with that world, the tech world, and then also, you know, what are they experiencing um, in their lives, the high stress. And so really it's it's starting with the mind. And luckily, uh, in some ways, um, I'm a, I call myself a recovering academic mm-hmm. in that I've uh, spent so much time in my mind and mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable there. I love to philosophize and theorize and I'm a like researcher at heart. And so I, I love to create maps and systems and so, and I'm a visual person. So I'm actually seeing that I can relate in some ways to their world. I just didn't know it until recently. And so it's really accessing that part of myself. And then tapping into, okay, so, you know, what what are the, the gifts and the beauty of that? And then what are the challenges? And for me, really, uh, luckily, having the ceremonies and the plans to help, you know, keep me into my in my body um, with yoga, too, and breathing practices. And that's been a very mindful integration into my life because I could easily just dream. I'm a dreamer. Mm-hmm. and a visionary mm-hmm. so um so really just uh you know experimenting and exploring and i don't know i don't know really um uh the best way i'm just trying something out and people seem to be interested uh so we'll just see how how it flows yeah this is cool the beings that speak that work with me uh they, I used to say the brain is like a computer, and they actually corrected me, and they said, no, dear, the computer is like the brain. You mm-hmm. just you just have not fully anywhere near accessed or tapped into uh, mm-hmm. just what is possible to tap into. So they said, you know, you have that technology, and you have this other technology, which is the technology of the heart. However, um, the heart technology cannot be accessed until we, they, the, well, the beings say, Get your minds right. Yeah. You've got to get your mind right. So, uh, and even if getting your mind might right means uh, getting yourself to a place where uh, you know you 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 your mind is open. Your mind is open for uh, new ideas. Um, maybe you are in uh, more of a place of surrender or humility, and then that doorway opens to the heart piece. And what I I find hopeful about what you are endeavoring to do here is my hope is that okay we have all this technology and and i am you know actually not altogether impressed with it and 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 no i'm not saying we go back to you know whatever donkeys and pitchforks and whatnot of course not i mean this technology is great you know i love that you and i can can do this it's wonderful and there is a, a tremendous uh dark side to the technology in that uh these electromagnetic waves and whatnot Mm-hmm. are decimating uh, mm-hmm. nature, really, and us. They are affecting the cells in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so what I see is if the mind and the heart can be combined, mm-hmm. well, then uh, 
that would mean to me that uh, as technologies are developed then, uh, they would be developed uh, with a consciousness so that, ah, well, we develop technology that doesn't harm, that doesn't harm nature right. in, in any way, shape, or form. And then that bringing that heart piece in, uh, then people would be these brilliant people, because these guys and gals are brilliant. They are. Uh, yes, then they would uh, take a second look at the technology that we have and address that and correct the mistakes, because the mistakes, those mistakes are that, that a lot of that technology is harming the earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is not to replace all of nature and replace whatever, all our cells and whatever, and make us into transhumanist robots and all this just horse shit. It's not, you know, that I just don't, uh, I, I don't see how any of that is going to, to, to really help. I think, uh, you know, technology is amazing, but we've got to marry the heart in this uh, process. And this is where the plants are coming in at this time, I think, to really help us save ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, well said, exactly. And so there's there's a few things that you mentioned that really spark uh, my my heart, and um, just the fact that you know empowering the these uh, high tech uh, brilliant people to actually uh, see the power that they have in our current um, reality. And that this technology is informing what we perceive as reality and illusion. And so I feel like, you know, deep down, their souls, you know, they, they want to uh, marry their mind, their brain, and their heart. And they want to uh, be part of uh, creating a world that's in alignment and in harmony. And so really, you know, accessing that memory so that they're like excited and passionate about um, correcting or creating different kinds of technology. And there are many groups that are doing this right now. And I've been doing research in the last few months and talking to people, for example, in New York, this is, there's a one a woman who created this... Um, this app, it's like a heart monitor, mm-hmm. and it's uh, basically uh, made to recognize someone's uh, emotions during the day. So it's just a little bit of um, uh, support in terms of being aware of one's body and emotions for folks that are, you know, in their mind and doing creating technical I don't know, coding or whatever they do. And, you know, in in the Bay Area, there's a group, The they're called the Consciousness Hackers, <laughs> and they meet monthly, and they are dedicated to innovative projects around, um, y- you know, uh, monitoring um, meditation and yoga practices. And so how can they encourage more the the mass population to connect you know to to these kind of practices mindful practices so that this is happening and it's very encouraging yeah 
Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. I think this is interesting too, how <laughs> this conversation has gone from sexuality, which is all about the body and all yeah. about nature and then into this sort of artificial construct called technology. And, mm. uh, and this is really, you know, what we are dealing with and, and, and that allegory of the, you know, the, the, the heart, the mind uh, piece that we yeah. are really in need of, of weaving together here. <laughs> Uh, greatly, and 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 we see that need in how uh, sick so many people are on on every level, and mm. um, so yeah, these these plants are quite amazing in what they are inspiring in people. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, explore a little bit more of this work you are doing. Uh, what are these uh, trainings that you talk about? What is is it Iris? Oh, yes. Initiation rights and sexuality. Okay. And so there's different parts to Iris. And the first part was a summit that I did last September where I interviewed various um, leaders and mentors in the field of sexuality and really spoke about how people are initiated into uh, sexuality as a child and developmental stages uh, throughout someone's lifespan and, um, you know, going from the, the basics of uh, physical information of what we need, kind of certain minerals and uh, green foods and, you know, organic foods, just like really feeding our body so that we can actually uh, be vibrant and tapping into our sexual energy. And then... Um, uh, and then going to the more initiatory layers of how that um, impacts communities, you know, and talking about the media, etc. So uh, there's the online summit with the interviews, and then I have an Iris online class, mm-hmm. which uh, covers the seven energy chakra centers, and then there is a class focused on leadership. And so how do we take information, this, this sexual information, and then um, be leaders in our communities? And then the last class is on celebration. Mm-hmm. And too often we don't really make the space to celebrate where we're at. And um, so that's the online class. And then I have individual uh, in-person and Skype sessions, and then I lead spiritual erotic awakening groups that focuses on the lower three chakras and then uh, bringing that energy into the heart. And this is often two days of uh, iris ritual, and this is modeled after Gina Ogden's work. And we, you know... Uh, share our sexual stories in this ritual and it's very active and embodied and fun Hmm. and so that's the group work and then just recently uh, launching the mind your heart program which is focusing on the upper three chakras and bringing that energy down into the heart Um, so that's a lot of mindful practices and also ritual work wow wow that's beautiful um would you say uh, when you work with the ayahuasca uh, that a, a lot of this inspiration is a result of those perhaps conversations with the madre? 
Yes. Oh, definitely. Directly, yeah. directly informed mm-hmm. and inspired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak to one of those experiences or one of those conversations with the Madre where she has opened you up to this kind of thing? I, I, I'm curious to hear. Mm, I'm curious too. <laughs> but, you know, when I think back, it's so fascinating that I don't necessarily have conversations with her so much. Um, it's more of she actually moves. She'll uh, focus my attention on certain energy centers in my body and then just show me what that energy is and how it's connected to other parts of my body. And so it's almost like my body has been the training ground and she's just highlighting it. And it's a lot of sensory plus visual. She'll show me um, how like the energy grid and matrix Mm -hmm. and then just how it can shape shift. And then, you know, the, how the light and shadow of any of these energy centers can dance together. And then, you know, the patterns on each body and the colors and, and then how to shift those patterns and mend certain tears in the patterns. So, uh, yeah, I, that's all I can say in terms of, uh, you know, the, the guidance and, and it sounds really bizarre, but uh, really, I went down to Peru, and I was in isolation for three months. And I was dieting plants, meaning I was drinking liquid form of plants every day. And I had very little food. And I was, uh, you know, in my little tombo, my bed, uh, alone. No interaction with humans except for when I was given food that was brought to me. Um, and I came out of those three months And, uh, you know, yes, I had conversations with myself and I went in circles and sort of felt like I was going mad, um, going crazy. And, and yet when I, uh, came out of those three months and I made offerings to the land there, thank you, thank you. And, you know, just seeing like, you know, a butterfly landed on my finger as I was offering tobacco, you know, just like magical things happening. Mm -hmm. And then I left and I was like, you know what? the epiphany for me was uh, if I, in order to survive in this particular uh, world that I live in at this time in North America, that I, you know, the sense of safety and security and connection to spirit that will sustain me in my life um, is possible if I have uh, my pipe and tobacco in one hand and my iPhone in my other hand. So it's so fat, you know, the connection to spirit and then the connection to the world in this uh, physical uh, realm. And so... All in the palms of your hands. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's, that's the guidance that I've received, the stories. Hmm. Lovely, lovely. And of course, when I say conversation, yeah, um, obviously we know it's... We say conversation, but it, the the the, the uh, communication is is yeah. very very different, of course, than right. this kind of communication. And right. you know, it makes me think of 
the uh, second uh, journey that I took with the mushrooms, which I was taking this medicine out in the middle of a old-growth rainforest in the Washington Peninsula. So just mossy trees everywhere, and just absolutely beautiful, beautiful. Uh, but they said, they or the beings announced at the beginning of that journey, we're going to work on your second chakra area tonight. And I, all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and innocent, said, oh, great, you know, that sounds good. And that was... Uh, where I started uh, experiencing those full body uh, org- or orgasms and um, and this Kundalini energy shooting uh, upward through my spine and out through the top of my head and uh, and my friend who was with me in the forest at the time said when he looked at me all this blue light was coming off of me and going up into the trees which. Um, he thought was very interesting, and and I do as well because of course you were talking earlier about the chakras, which we know uh, correspond to uh, the endocrine system, to uh, uh, each of those centers, and uh, and that there is that auric or energy field around the body. One of my teachers jokes and says you you don't call it uh, the aura in you know sort of the science world, or else you'll lose your funding. <laughs> so we call it the the, uh, the energy field. But in any case, but yet yeah. that th- there are you know it it, it changes color. Uh, so color is a big factor here. And so I just thought that was fascinating that he would see sort of blue light coming as a result of that kind of of energy coursing through my body. And what I also found fascinating. Uh, much later was I had two C-sections. So there is scar tissue there in that second chakra. Mm-hmm. And uh, later when I spoke with, uh, I work with a, a woman a little bit who is a, a bee venom therapist and acupuncturist. Uh, she's she's an amazing, brilliant woman, uh, Dr. Amber Rose. And she had said, wherever you have a scar, then you've got stuck energy. Mm. in that area and so my sense was it wasn't just well that obviously I mean it's so multi-layered these experiences but I thought I wonder if they were also working on that area because of the scar tissue there mm-hmm. as well and and because she said what happens is chi cannot flow through that area uh, smoothly mm. so it, what she does is she uses the bees and you sting scars with the bees mm. Wow. Yeah, 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 which I have been doing, not these past few months because it's too cold. But um, <laughs> anyway, again, another a whole new, a whole different discussion, but um, just really fascinating in terms of the uh, kundalini energy that is activated often through mm-hmm. these plants. Mm-hmm. So all of this uh, wonderful discussion about how these plants open you sexually and, and what the ayahuasca has done for you and opened you to. So let's uh, look a little bit at the darker side of that as well, because, of course, you and I well know that here you did all this gorgeous sexual healing and opening, but we have a problem in the ayahuasca community in some areas of it, do we not? With um, unscrupulous shamans, shall we say, who mm-hmm. are helping themselves to uh, sexually to women on the medicine. So uh, speak to that, sweetie. Oh, wow. Yes. Important area of discussion. And it's interesting that it's... It uh, seems to be an exploration that um, evolves in spirals. 
So my first introduction to the shadow of misuse of sexual uh, energy and ceremony started 10 years ago, actually right when I first started drinking. And, um, you know, it's interesting that I I, want to share this, this vision that I had because I feel like it's really what I connect back with all the time through the 10 years of the phases and the of the anger and the confusion around this issue in various communities in North and South America and around the world. Um, now, the vision that I had 10 years ago when, when this first came up, and I heard about an ayahuasquero uh, who sexually molested a woman in ceremony, um, in an ayahuasca ceremony, and when I first heard this, I was outraged. And I just this, I don't know what it was, like past karmic rage for all people who have been sexually, you know, uh, traumatized. It just, all this rage come th- came through me. And uh, I had this vision, it was so clear, of this Iowa Carroll and myself. We were hovering uh, in the air, like, you know, the crouching tiger mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And we were hovering there, and we were battling it out, like, full on with swords and, you know, rope and all these things. And I was, you know, new to the path, and I was shocked that I even knew how to, you know, do this kind of fighting. Anyway, there came a point where I was like, okay, I know that I'm weaker than this this shaman. So I'm going to have to be clever. And, uh, so I ended up sacrificing one of my hands and he put this, uh, sword, um, through it. And I held on to the sword, you know, uh, right through my hand. And I saw was able to plunge it back into his heart and put my hand in his body and tore his heart out of him. I held his heart in my hand. And I said, I have a very uh, crucial question to ask myself. Am I going to throw his heart away because I'm so angry at him? Or am I going to bless his heart? And I chose to blow a blessing into his heart Mm -hmm. and I put it back into his body. Mm, Beautiful. And that really uh, has continued to guide me throughout this and really you know seeing this as a larger issue Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. these uh very skilled masterful leaders um uh, understandably have a balance in their sexual development because there's been so much training in one area you know think of it like a master surgeon in a medical hospital here in the states you know maybe they're not best uh in their love relationship or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's an imbalance. So mm-hmm. I really see that the, there's a skewedness in their relationship with sexuality and it expresses itself um, in this unethical form of uh, misusing their power. And it, and it causes trauma for the woman, uh, more often the woman. Maybe there are some men who have experienced it. And then it has ripple effects in these communities who are outraged. And then also the ripple effects in terms of the um, larger community around the use of plant teachers and hallucinogenic uh, medicines. So 
it's it really creates a huge impact and and it um you know ultimately i feel like the best case scenario is to maximize the benefit of these plants and minimize the harm so in terms of minimizing the harm is to really look at our culture of externalizing our power to a healer or to a leader mm-hmm. and that that's just not um uh acceptable uh, especially in the realm of vegetalismo that uh we are not able to do that uh to think uh, that another uh, person who's a master has our um best interests at heart and that they are completely a whole and healed being. So that's like a wake up call for all of us. Mm-hmm. And that really to focus our energy on taking responsibility for our healing path and getting good information um uh, and stories about this the particular person that we're interested in having ceremony with and and really doing our research and homework and setting up the best possible scenario for us to maximize uh the benefits oh. of these plants and so and I, it's happening there are online sites with um you know information actually listing the names of particular iOS garros and there's a lot of great sites on you know um uh listing safety tips mm-hmm. for for everyone good and yeah. you know this this includes uh, not only sexual um, issues and ceremony, but just in general, traveling to another country and making one oneself safe uh, in ceremonies. Because this, you know, we are uh, dealing with um, altered states of consciousness where many different kinds of things can happen. So, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, thank you so much for for saying that, Yalila. Yeah, the the personal responsibility piece is, is essential, and you're right. Um, you know, there are uh, certainly sites uh, that we can look to for to to research these people before we go down and and put ourselves in their hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, personal responsibility is huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in, in other words, <laughs> I mean, you do everything you possibly can. Yeah. You know, to, to ensure your own protection and preservation. Right. Yes, exactly. And, and really, so once we do that on the personal level of doing what we can to keep ourselves safe, then it's in terms of uh, community safety mm-hmm. and looking at the issues of, you know what what are our expectations you know the the thousands of people that travel to south america for these ceremonies it's wonderful that there are these medicine baskets that are being opened and information and ceremonies are being shared and to look at the big picture in terms of well what is the meaning of this healing that we are receiving this this knowledge that we're receiving and how are we going to integrate it back into our lives uh, wherever we're we're um, building our families and communities, and so you know this whole thing of like it's uh, it's not only the making the effort to 
be in a ceremony, but also, you know, what what is the the larger vision for it? And so really supporting each other um, on a daily basis to integrate uh, that information and share. And this is also a place to share information. People have had challenging times, either with sexual misconduct or uh, other kinds of issues with retreat centers. I mean, this is the time where we can share information and um, also, you know, in terms of the integration piece, that uh, one thing that I'm focused on more so is having uh, regular community gatherings where we're sending people off who are traveling for ceremonies and we're welcoming these travelers back as a community in ritual. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Wow. I could see that starting to happen all over the place. I mean, that's a really, really good idea. Mm-hmm. Really good. And then really sets the course for their integration of the experience upon their return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, so I, I mentioned that just in terms of, um, you know, the, the larger issues around uh, why we're going uh, traveling and going to these ceremonies for and some of us for sexual healing and that there's there's a bigger piece uh, that needs tending to as well yes and i think also this bigger piece back to this um experience you had this very shamanic vision you had of, of fighting that shaman and mm-hmm. then finally holding his heart in your hands and and you were at a, a decision point there as to whether you know you're going to decimate this guy or if you're going to uh, see from this larger picture and then blow that blessing into his heart and you know i talked to one of my shaman teachers uh when i first found out about this kind of thing going on and he said, Shauna, listen, these people, he said, I'm not excusing their behavior, but they have uh, been so abused mm-hmm. by um, these other dominating cultures over the uh, mm-hmm. the years, like tremendously abused. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, the church has come in there and uh, mm-hmm. there have been some very egregious, egregious, mm-hmm. horrific abuses that we know about as well. I mean, they are committing their own uh, sexual criminality, which has been going on for a long time. And he said, so that stuff infests the mm. culture. And mm-hmm. then he said, think about it, Shauna, you've got this, this guy, this, you know, simple, brilliant guy, but, you know, very simple living person. And now all of a sudden these people are showing up and lots of women and beautiful women. And, and again, he said, you know, this can be very uh, intoxicating and overwhelming. And again, not making excuses for these guys, but he was wanting me to sort of just see the more human, larger picture here. Yes. You know, and then he said, remember all these decades of abuse that these people have gone through. He said, it's just, it just perpetuates itself. So he was saying something needs to be done here, addressed to help these people here heal. Because yeah. here we go descending, all of us Westerners, on these people for our healing. And like so many Westerners, you know, we're, we're sort of just uh, bred <laughs> to just take, 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 take. And yeah. then what do we give back? And yeah. uh, so mm-hmm. so these beautiful cultures are also um, holding their own wounds. Mm. And so when you speak of the greater culture, you know, and, you know, what we're doing for ourselves, uh, of course, yes, there would uh, or must also be this piece where we endeavor to 
mm-hmm. you know, give mm-hmm. something back to these people because they are giving us so yeah. much. So much, so much. And, you know, one of the things that I continually uh, check within myself and also, you know, the many people that come to me who share the challenging stories that they experience uh, sexual uh, traumatization, you know, in a ceremony. And I don't know, they find me and they somehow want to tell me their story. And, you know, I have to say that when I first uh, interact with them, I'm going to start where they're at. And I'm going to, you know, listen and validate what they're feeling and, um, and really emphasize, yes, it is unethical, etc. And what I found is that, you know, like, as the months pass, and their healing um, progresses, and they become stronger, that then there is a place to bring in the message that this really is an opportunity to see that shadow and sexuality within ourselves. Mm-hmm. That there is something that energy uh, attract, uh, like attracts like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something there in a in a mysterious way that there's a lesson. You know that our souls wanted to um, experience, and that uh, that this shadow is really representation of what exists in ourselves and in our culture. So I just see that this this explosion recently of more people coming out and sharing their story, and it's more on the community level, and people are taking action. I think is wonderful because I see that as a healing step for um, our macro. Uh, sexual development mm-hmm. and um, and and so that there, there's all these layers that that are um, turning at, at the same time and it's all I just I'm in a place now where I see it all as uh, as just perfect and it's all uh, mysterious and um, I feel optimistic yeah well I do too, because I do see more and more people uh, really uh, 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 waking up and and actually, you know, wanting to uh, initiate some kind of of, of action in in whatever field it is that they feel drawn to. Uh, but certainly in the psychedelic realms, my goodness, I mean, we are all we are growing quite a bit, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. exponentially, and and then as we are growing, of course, these issues uh, come up. And then it is all right. How are you going to to deal with with this? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, I see a lot of um, very uh, creative and exciting uh, applications here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, sweetie, this has been wonderful, and uh, we're going to have to do this again. Uh, there's always more to discuss, but uh, I think we've given people um, you know <laughs> some some good fruit to uh uh to chew on here so is there any any parting words you would like to say before we close yes yeah yes that today is always a good time to love yourself and give yourself the space to remember uh your wholeness and your vibrancy and to clear what you don't need to carry and to regenerize yourself and uh, tap into your heart's desire. It sounds, you know, a little bit California, <laughs> you know, love, but I just really to, 
uh, highlight the importance that change can happen at any moment and that magic is possible uh, all the time. Well, that's actually very timely that you would say that, and I will just chime in here and say that uh, astrology uh, was once a, a very highly revered science, and it still very much is, uh, the positions of the planets and the magnetics of them. And uh, speaking about how change can, can, can occur uh, quite, quite uh, very quickly, we have uh, right now uh, the planet Uranus, and, and it's playing uh, a big role, and it is uh, conjuncting Pluto. Pluto is the uh, planet that represents uh, darkness, what is being hidden. Mm-hmm. And so those two come together. Uranus, Uranus is about lightning fast change, mm. and it is about Tesla-style insight as well. And if ever we needed you know, some out-of-the-box ideas it is now because the box is an absolute mess. But in Mm. any case, so these two planets are conjuncting, and so what has been uh, uh, hidden, uh, whatever that is, is being (laughs) radically uh, exposed, uh, but accompanied by this uh, uh, extraordinary insight in terms of how to address that. Because, of course, we cannot heal or uh, 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 correct what we can't see or won't see. So right. so all of that I see, like just in terms of even our conversation about these unscrupulous shamans, that has to be seen and addressed so it can be uh, corrected mm-hmm. and, and healed. Or some people are just very bad people and they need to be put away, period, the end as well. But in any case, Uranus represents that change on a dime, lightning fast change, and it is very active, and it's going to be active for uh, some time to come. Mm. So those words you are saying, actually, you have good, very good backup, dear, by <laughs> some rather, rather large, uh, massive bodies in, uh, in yes. the cosmos. <laughs> Yay, wonderful. And, and along those lines, uh, just to celebrate the transition into the year of the sheep, for all of those that celebrate the Chinese uh, New Year. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, thank you, sweetie. You're very interesting. You're fascinating, and and I, I love your, your, your heart. I, I really love what you have created and, and what you are continuing to envision and activate, and thank you so much for this good, good work you are doing. Mm, thank you. Right back to you. Oh, thanks, sweetie. We'll talk soon. Okay. Okay, bye. You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. How things have changed since Terrence McKenna first came on the scene in the 1980s. Back then, the only way to hear discussions like the one we just listened to was to be lucky enough to have a friend who maybe recorded something at a workshop that they attended and of which they're now passing around copies. Back then, if 40 people attended a weekend with Terrence McKenna, well, it would take years for even a few hundred people to have eventually been able to find a copy of a recording of it. But today, with the Internet and podcasting, Two medicine women can have a discussion about topics of interest to the psychedelic community at large, and within a month, hundreds of thousands of people will have heard it. This is big, my friends. But if you're under 30, you're most likely taking all of this new tech for granted. You know, in a way, we're just like fish who don't notice the fact that they're immersed in water. 
Our water just happens to be high-tech. So what I recommend is that every once in a while we pause for a moment and think about how much tech we have used in the past 24 hours. How many times an hour do you check your email, for example? And if your web phone is now something so central to your daily life that you keep it with you at all times, well then keep in mind that it still hasn't been even eight years since the iPhone was first released. This is the dawn of a new age, all right. I'm uh, just not sure what kind of an age it's going to be. But Yalila isn't the first medicine person that I've met who finds a web phone to be an integral part of the modern shaman's medicine kit. And I'll leave you to mull that over on your own. Now before I go, I want to mention a couple of podcasts that I've been interviewed on. The most recent one hasn't actually been posted yet, so I'll save that announcement for another day. But if you're interested in some of my non-salon ramblings, you can uh, surf on over to the Health and Wellness Encinita podcast, where number 11 is titled, The History and Future of Cannabis and Psychedelics in Medicine, with Lorenzo Haggerty. (laughs) And uh, the other one is a more wide-ranging discussion that I had with Matt Landis and his friends at the Tink Tink Club. And I'll put links to both of those podcasts in uh, today's program notes, which you know you can get to via psychedelicsalon.us. Also, in a few days, I'll be posting two podcasts in a row. A fundraising announcement will be the focus of one of them, and the Bard McKenna will be featured in the second one. The first podcast will be quite brief, and it's going to cover the details of this year's fund drive, during which we will hopefully raise enough money to keep these podcasts coming to you for one more year. But that program will be mercifully short. (laughs) The main topic that I'll actually be covering in that podcast will be about an updated edition of the Genesis Generation, which has a new final chapter that uh, ties up some loose ends and is also coming out in paperback. But... For now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be careful out there, my friends. 